This is Mr. Rabuto from Intergalactic Space Station 75641X241. We ran out of words, you understand. Anyway, we want to thank Rock of Nations with Dave Kitchen for inspiring us here in a whole new galaxy. This program truly is out of the world, or at least out of your world. Thank you so much, and continue on with all of your excellence. At some point, you may want to interview our rock stars. Seriously, they're space rocks. They're about a billion years old, but they have a heck of a story to tell. Now, on with the show. Oh, sorry about that. I spaced out. (laughs) You get it? Spaced out? Hey, welcome to the show, everybody. Apparently, how did we not get into Finland, but we, we reached intergalactic status. Finland's one of the biggest countries for hard rock and especially heavy metal. We haven't broken any ground there yet, but then we go international, interspatial. Is that a word? Inters- we just made one up. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, welcome to the show. It's Rock of Nations with Dave Kinchin, the Tuesday show. Thanks so much for being a part of the show with us. Um, we've got a lot of good stuff to get to. We're talking this podcast about how classic bands make it in today's economy how you know they tour and tour and tour we've got some big rock shows coming up this summer i mean you've got deep purple doing something you've got priest that's still at it you've got so many great bands out there um you you have uh you know white snake on tour um and you just i just sort of wonder you know it's different for a lot of, a lot of the younger bands you know that maybe are brought up in you know things are adjusted to scale maybe economically for bands that are that are starting at now they're not going to make the revenue that that some of the big classic legendary bands once made in the 70s and 80s and so on and so forth at least it would seem that way so you know it it makes me curious you know about that so we'll talk a little bit about just you know what we've seen bands doing and artists doing to survive and you know especially from that classic era where you're not getting that kind of revenue that you that you used to get. Uh, we talked to David Coverdale about this uh, recently, so we'll you, we'll have a little bit of that interview and get his perspective on some deals that he does and some deals he doesn't do. Also, David Lee Roth going to Vegas. Well, he's looking at a Las Vegas residency. He spoke with Hollywood Life about this, and we've got just a little excerpt, a little quote here uh, via iHeartRadio. Um, it looks like, uh, you know, because it looks like Van Halen's not going to be doing anything after all. So anyway, Roth uh, says in Hollywood Life, I just pursued this. I was over at the House of Blues yesterday. There's lots and lots of people requesting as far as doing um, some sort of a solo act to uh, Sin City. Now, he's talked about, he's actually done this before. It's not the first time he's done a residency, but it would be interesting. He certainly has a solo career that that would support this kind of uh, endeavor, just like the Van Halen stuff. You can imagine it would be a show produced with, <laughs> you know, he remember that bluegrass album he did, Strumming with the Devil? Remember that? <laughs> so I don't know if it'd be something like that, but he would certainly do um, something that would, I mean, can you, I mean he's, he, he has a suit already as far as the tattoo suit, you know, like head to toe or uh, chest to toe, whatever. I think he's talked about that he's doing the whole ink thing, you know, uh, tattoo preservation. But can you see him like wearing you know, in a in a Vegas lounge or something like that, wearing a suit and and or a, a what do you call it, a, a tuxedo and 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 doing jump? 
But there's already the techno version out. That's that's another thing. There's a techno dance version of Jump that's out. Uh, so anyway, that's out there. Um, also, Richie Faulkner talking about KK Downing. Uh, this back and forth that goes on. It's really it's it's a tough one. This is it's so unusual for Priest in the modern era to have this kind of back and forth going on. So we'll have some of that in the um, the main segment. But yeah, talking about what it takes for bands to survive to make it and classic bands especially play 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 gig 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 that's what you have to do and we're talking about that on the good side I'll tell you what, if you love Rock of Nations with Dave Kinchin, and you know you do, you will love our other show, Dave Kinchin Tonight, a news talk podcast brought to you on iTunes, Spotify, you know the drill, wherever else you get podcasts. If we're not there, we should be. It's almost criminal not to be, and it won't take an act of Congress to get it done. I promise you that. So you've got your rock and roll here and a news talk show. Oh, yeah, we've got you covered. So what does a band have to do to survive? A classic rock band. What do they have to do to survive? Well, it depends on the publishing. It depends on on the catalog of music, right? It depends on um, how how often their songs are played on the radio, how how often their songs are played at events. I mean, you can argue, and, and I am not privy to the finances of any of these groups, but you can argue that even before Queen did Bohemian Rhapsody, that... Queen songs and stadiums and, you know, obviously we are the champions, we will rock you, that, you know, those songs that have become long ago so ingrained in sports and, and, and things that, that are already in and of themselves huge money makers, that, that the financial side of it, there's enough to support them. There's, it, the catalog is, is big enough. It can handle their whatever their financial situation is and whatever their lifestyle is, you know, but you can't say that for everybody, right? You can't say that for all bands. What about groups that, that are very well known? and very legendary, but you don't hear their songs all the time, you know, on the radio. Um, or maybe you hear the one or two. You hear one or two songs, but you don't, they're not super, super huge and all over the place like some of these other groups out there. I remember when Judas Priest had um, Hellion in a, there was a car commercial. I forget, what was the company? It doesn't matter, but they were, you know, that was certainly, you, you, you're watching and all of a sudden it's like, wow, there's, there's Hellion right before Electric Eye in in a car commercial which you know it it worked it worked for what they were doing it was perfect you know um we'll have an example we talked with david coverdale about this uh about what white snake's doing and you know the geico ad that uh the wedding ad i'm sure you've seen we talk a little bit about that so you'll hear you'll hear about that but there's so much out there as far as how bands make it and and what they do and 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 what they have to do to still remain relevant because the money isn't like it used to be you know a huge band in the 70s or 80s i mean you can imagine what kiss was making and and what um you know van halen and and uh, especially the bon jovis in the 80s and scorpions and what the you know these bands were able to do being the 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 best in in the business established rockers and and huge and um, it was also very expensive to do tours. It was also expensive to put to to show and promote one big band. You know, now 
you see things a little bit differently. The, the touring is a little, you know, it's not um, the band will fly in. I mean, you know, you can fly pretty cheap depending on corporate accounts and, and all that stuff. So bands will, you know, base themselves out of one city and, and fly in. To, you know, if they're based at a, if they're playing the East Coast, they might be based in New York. So they'll fly out to Buffalo, then come back to New York City. They'll fly out to Boston, maybe come back to New York City, that thing. So, yes, there's a cost there. But at least for the band, it's, it's probably not as much as it, it used to be. Um, in in the days past, you know, it is it, you know certainly bands are very much more economical. They have to be, you know, you you just have to do that. You have to think more about how to economize what you do. Um, maybe that's one of the reasons why Bruce Dickinson, you know, and not only was it a great uh, you know media, um, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, talker to have a jumbo jet and fly the band and press and everything around the world. Um, but it helped get to gigs to more gigs. And there was certainly a financial aspect to it too, that must've helped things out on the bottom line or otherwise they certainly wouldn't do it. Um, so many classic acts, you know, again, without knowing the financial impact of, or the financial details of, of a lot of these groups, and it's none of my business. You, you have to imagine that they have to be a lot smarter with what they do today, you know, where they play, what tours they do, you know, what shows they play, what venues, right? Now, one thing that you do get is you get a lot more package deals. So uh, Brian Adams and Billy Idol, you know, which it seems a little bit different, right? You wouldn't see those two together, but you have two artists who will come together and... Um, you know, maximize two different sort of bases in terms of classic rock, the more classic, harder stuff with Billy Idol. And then uh, I guess you could say Brian Adams was was hard and, and, you know, had some hard, heavy tracks, too. But I, probably not the same idea or the same dynamic as Billy Idol, obviously, you know. Uh, I remember, you know, with Journey and the Doobie Brothers, you know, Journey and Def Leppard. I mean, those th that was they were selling out many, many a night. And that tour was a, a huge moneymaker, especially for Journey, which is a big moneymaker in and of itself. So you have to, you're, you're going to see, you have to acknowledge there's more of that. There's more of a, a packaging to get a bigger bang for your buck. Um, there's also some of the, you know, the industry has been taking hits for the fees and, and things like that. So, uh, you know, there's more, I mean, because there is a lot of other production handling, marketing and things like that. And and I think, you know, the industry has at some point gotten the word that, yeah, you know, we're kind of turning people off with some of these fees. So we have to try to work things out. There's You still have all kinds of fees on these tickets. But I, I think, you know, somewhere these promoters and these, these uh, artists and managers, they try to get together and, and still give people a little bit more for their money, you know. Um, you have these these tour packages that in many ways are ridiculous. It used to be a thousand bucks would get you backstage with Kiss or something like that. A thousand bucks. And that was just Gene and Paul primarily. I mean, Tommy and Eric, God bless him. But, you know, I mean, you're you're there to really see, you know, Gene and Paul, unless you're a newer Kiss fan, you know. Um, but now and, and there's been some stuff written about uh, and talked about, you know, in terms of some of the, these crazy multi, you know, several, several thousand dollars uh, worth of packages to, you know, so get get Paul Stanley's guitar or a guitar that he signed. And it may not be even a high quality guitar, like, you know, the, the 
PS series, or, you know, PS tens or whatever. It's, it's, it's something that he maybe played for one song and then you sign, you know, it's signed and okay, that's cool. But you know, what you probably paid is, is well more than what that guitar is worth is what some have, you know, there's speculation that that kind of thing, you know, well, there's, it's, it's, let me, let me be clear. There's, there's, um, there's, we know that that happens, but there's, uh, speculation that more and more bands are are looking at that and doing it um you know it's you know I, I get a meet and greet package i get that type of thing but at what point um is it just ridiculous <laughs> you know at what point is it you know absolutely ridiculous to pay all these you know all this money for um you know something that isn't you know, to, to meet groups that don't have the full lineup, uh, the full classic lineup, you know, to get, uh, you know, a souvenir that, that isn't really worth the price of, I mean, at least the actual property, the, the, the signature or whatever is worth much more than the actual thing the signature's on, you know. Um, but it's, it is pretty crazy how bands do that. And now, listen, again, I get the aspect, there's certain groups that, you know, People will will do. I mean, people will buy whatever they're selling. You know, I think Kiss is one of those groups. I think Queen is is another one of those those bands, especially now since the movie. You know, people will pay whatever, uh, virtually whatever, to you know to meet these guys, to maybe take pictures with them, to uh, get something uh, something cool that they like. Again, Roger Taylor and, and symbols that were turned into rings. You know, so you can you know that type of thing. Uh, so you can wear what you hear, you know, you can wear, um, you know, the, the, the metal that went into, you know, that, that produced a, a symbol that was used on a classic track. You can wear that, you know, um, there's bands are doing all, all sorts of things like that. Now there's, there's groups that are still super big, you know, I'm sure Aerosmith probably does really well with whatever deals they have, uh, for fans, you know, uh, cause Aerosmith has always been pretty timeless, you know, uh, especially in the last 25 years without question. So that's one thing, but the, it's a, it's a, it's a double-edged sword because where do they go to the point where, you know, the free market, uh, capitalist mindset would say, well, people will pay whatever they will pay. You know, we will, you know, whatever people are willing to pay, we're going to charge that. And that's fair enough. You know, I'm not here to say that that's the wrong way to go, but there is the impact that that turns off some groups, you know? Um, so is it a case or are some fans, uh, some groups of fans, so the question is, does that ultimately, you know, is that more about helping stabilize an operation that's a major group or a major band today? Uh, or is it just to line pockets and say, look, you know, if we can make an extra huge dollar amount just to pocket, you know, we'll do that too. And maybe it's a little bit of both. Um, but yeah, but but artists have to be careful. They have to be careful not to rub the fans the wrong way because it, it can certainly do that. And where it's going now, you know, in terms of some of these other deals, and we're going to do a whole separate show on some of these deals and look specifically at them. You know, I, 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 I'm trying not to get too, uh, you know, much of a tangent going, which, which we do on this show. And that's what talk radio is, by the way, or podcast. You know, that's the fuel for, a you know, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with a tangent. And here's a tangent about a tangent. But anyway, <laughs> uh, slap myself on the wrist for that one right there. Okay. All right. I learned my lesson. So, um, but the, the the reality is it's tough for a lot of these groups. So um, we talked with uh, 
uh, it's not tough for these rap groups, you know, somebody blasting some hip hop down the street, you know, I mean, Kanye West or any of these guys, they're going to sell out major stadiums, right? A Jay-Z. I mean, that, that's just what they, you know, because that's what's in right now. The sort of party music, dance music, that stuff for hip hop, that's always going to be a big seller. But when you're a classic rock band, there's, there's things that you have to do, but there's also deals that you have to avoid to protect your brand. David Coverdale talks about this, starting with a deal that he avoided. Listen to this. Since I was offered a significant sum of money for a Canadian fiber cereal, and I thought the last thing I want to do is be paying Vancouver start hero go again and everybody runs to the bathroom you know <laughs> so subliminary you know so you know there are certain things I won't sign off on everything I've approved has got a positive aspect to it yeah. an uplifting aspect to it you know the Walmart ads were during uh, and it brings white snake into their mind these things are necessary in this day and age to make uh, the economics to maintain a band like white snake uh, it's it's not the you know nobody's doing the kind of record sales. I mean, you see the giant uh, sales of uh, stars like Beyonce or Taylor Swift. Mm. Those sales are pale in terms of what we were doing in the, in the eighties. Um, as, as beautiful and successful as the artists are, the actual sales um, are, are, are much lower than they used to be. So it's that. Uh, you have to look at how many, all which avenues can support the economics of keep, keeping a band profile. Yeah. So synchronization wants merchandise is another one. You know, we're very fortunate. We have an amazing, uh, very substantially uh, large global foundation for White Snake sales. Um, Huge fan base, that, yeah. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. Uh, I work with these people um, on social media every day, um, keeping them informed, entertained, amused, and uh, uh, and and, uh, and uh, hopefully positively. Um, it's it's very interesting for, uh, time for me because I want to learn all this new stuff. I'm bringing more and more younger people in mm. uh, to learn, you know, how we can maintain uh, a profile as a classic, classic rock band in the 21st century in a time of digital media. You know, when we went out last year, I, I have a beautiful, very smart and internet savvy uh, uh girl called Elise who works with me she's 24 years old wow. um, and she she inspired me to start thinking outside the box so literally as we were driving from Lake Tahoe down to Los Angeles to start rehearsing we started this Instagram thing called video postcards from the road which added like 80,000 followers to of course, that's the one part of the interview where the phone line gets a little fuzzy, so uh, our apologies on that there for a little bit of static in there, but you certainly got the point, and, and you see how social media is very important to the Whitesnake organization as well, and other bands are doing this too. It's amazing how so many artists and groups are all over social media and how they have their staff doing, you know, promoting what they're doing on the road and everything else, but sometimes you have to look at the changes in terms of law. Now, the Music Modernization Act was passed into law last 
last year. And what that did was extend copyright streamlining to music that came before 1972. There was already law on the books that dealt with, uh, that helped artists as far as, as uh, copywriting and money and revenues, uh, you know, for songs that came after 72 when um, a major push in Congress was passed uh, back then. But there was nothing for that uh, for anything pre-1972. Smokey Robinson went before Congress last year and said that, you know, the Miracles, his his group, the Miracles had uh, songs played 50,000 times a day. Um, But he talked about how, you know, it's not just about our, uh, you know, it's not so much about money. It's just about money. It's about our lives. It's about livelihood. And he said that it's particularly hard on artists who don't perform anymore. And, you know, there aren't many artists from the 60s that are still performing. So that uh, that was a big thing that was passed into law. And it really did help hopefully help a lot of artists, um, you know, of that genre, you know, um, you still have like 70, 71, and, and you have a lot of groups that didn't make money on, on their early records too. So, but that's more of other issues and other, you know, contractual things perhaps and, and deals that were put into place uh, on this thunderous, uh, you know, get your motorcycle out and uh, hopefully listen to some of these songs and, you know, <laughs> that that are set up with royalties and that, and that sort of thing, you know, this would be a great day for hitting the bike and, and just playing some classic tunes, right? And and you trust that the royalties and all of that, you know, the copyright that, that that's you know, you trust that that's all worked out. Um, but there's, you know, you remember we what was it um, Napster when that was happening, right? We remember the Napster issue, and we, we recall how Lars Ulrich went after Napster, and and you know Gene Simmons said rock is dead in part because of people downloading and and you know feeling like in his words people have the right to something that they don't own, you know? So, uh, and how many times do you play a video on YouTube and listen to a song and that's a play and you're not necessarily paying for YouTube. So it is, uh, it is an interesting thing, but there's a, so anyway, just a little bit of a snapshot of what bands have to do to survive. And, uh, it's, it's hard, especially some of those older groups out there. So, of course, we will continue to watch all of the changes happening in the industry. It's what we do. We move this down a little bit, but we'll get into this, of course. Um, Richie Faulkner and talking to Boston radio station WAAF about Ken Downing's remarks, uh, you know, saying that Faulkner and uh, Scott Travis, the drummer, that they're on a wage. They're not full members of the band. Richie says this to the station. It's a disappointment more than anything, to be honest with you. I'm a great fan of Ken's. I'm a great fan of what he's done. I'd love to hear him play some guitar and put out some music me too by the way um but uh he says it just seems that unfortunately a lot of what he's involved in at the moment is bits of information and interviews um he says we try not to get involved in it we're out on the tour putting out new music and playing new music for the fans from a legacy that he helped create so any sort of backstabbing that's he calls it backstabbing or any sort of negativity that's thrown at the band is just disappointing and unnecessary. By the way, I think this is the same radio station Opie and Anthony used to be on, and they did that that hilarious 100 grand prank where they said, you know, if you're the, what is it, the 100, 109th caller or something, you get 100 grand, guy calls in, you're the winner. Okay, great. You know, I get to buy a new truck. How are you going to do that with a candy bar? He goes ballistic. So whenever I think of that station, AF in Boston, I, I I always think of that and those guys. Anyway, so we will continue to watch the Richie Faulkner stuff and KK Downing. We love Judas Priest, and you know we we try to follow the headlines. Uh, it's sad when there's drama that involve, um, you know, people in bands you love. But w- what can you do? You know, we just we just have to 
keep it balanced and, and cover it. And that's what we will do on this program. So it's Rock of Nations with Dave Kinchin. Hope you are having a wonderful start to the week. And if not, then you can always restart it and continue on and play this podcast along the way. We will be back before you know it. It's what we do. Rock of Nations with Dave Kinchin online at Dave Kinchin USA on Twitter. And of course, we are on Facebook, Rock of Nations with Dave Kinchin. Search it there. But we interact more on Twitter because we love Twitter. It just seems to work a little bit better. I don't know. But uh, follow us on Facebook. Maybe you can you can be you can be the change in the world in the digital world that makes us go more to Facebook. But anyway, that is the show, and we will talk very, very soon. 